0: This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. If you guys will stand with me, we want to read the text so we we can dive in. The reason why we stand, we want to set this part this time apart from from everything else, because this is the word of God that he's preserved over the ages, that we will be able to to hear him speaking through us, what he spoke to his people in the past, what he'll speak to us now, and his people in the future. So we we set this time apart to honor and acknowledge the God of all of creation who wrote these texts, right? So we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, and I'm going to read it for you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that you would plant your truths deep inside of your heart, the things that you want us to get from your, your text today, that you will plant it deep inside of your, our hearts, Lord, and that you will cause it to bear much fruit. We give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I love this text. And there's a lot that, that, that's going on inside this text, right? When he starts talking about, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? So let me start with, just start off with this, looking at this, this first point right here. Let me start off with this. Being invited into God's family was an act of God's grace that involves nothing that you've done, but everything that he's done as a reflection of who he is. This is something that we need to understand as we just start even looking at the, at the whole idea of, of, of God's grace of salvation being on our lives and thinking about loved ones as we pray for them. Knowing and understand this has nothing to do with what you've done, but everything to do with what he's done. Come on. Yes. And all of that is a reflection of his character, of who he is. Yes. Nothing that you've done. Like if you run a if you if you run a race and you and you finish and they and they and they and they give you this reward, or you just run and they give you a reward for participating, then then you've earned that, right? right. right. Even like I mean, you just participated. You ran like halfway, right? <laughs> Somehow you still qualify, right? If you if, if if you You've worked all week long, sweat and tears, and, and, and oh, you have this job that you had to do, and, and after you're done with all the work, they, they pay you, and you've earned that. You've qualified to get a paycheck, right? You, you've, you've, you've earned that. You, you've worked to get that. But here's what you got to get with this. You can never work long enough you can never work hard enough to ever earn your way into his family. You can never work long enough or hard enough to ever get to a point where you qualify for salvation. Oh, yes. That'll never happen. Here's, here's, why, here's why. Your work apart from God is temporal and his family is eternal. Here's why, your work apart from, from, from God is finite, but salvation, the salvation of God is infinite. Oh, yeah. Everything that you can ever offer to God as work will one day no longer be needed. Oh, but I gave, I, I gave to the poor, Well, one day they won't be any poor. But, but, but I, I gave my tithes, one day we won't need to do that. But, 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 but but I I came to service every single Sunday. Man, one day we will be worshiping every single day the way we're supposed to be. There's nothing that you can give to him that won't fade away that causes you to earn this thing in. There's nothing. See, you can never satisfy an infinite need with a finite response. Never. The gap is way too big. Not to mention the fact that Scripture says even our righteous deeds, even our good deeds are like filthy rags to him. This means that our good deeds are are, are tainted with sin at levels that we don't even understand. Again, being invited into God's family was an act of God's grace that involves nothing that you've done, but everything that he's done and is a reflection of who he is. So when I say nothing that you've done that goes both ways, you see, there's nothing that you've done that could disqualify you from ever being able to be given this gift, neither. Right? There's nothing that you will do to ever earn it. And there's nothing that you've done that put you so far away that God can't give it neither. Yes. This is something that you need to understand and grasp. You see, it's because he gives his grace on his own merit, not yours. This is why he gives it. He considers his goodness, not your badness. It's to reflect who He is, not who you are. This is what He's doing here. Now, I get it. These, these realities are, are hard, and we, are, we, we struggle with things sometimes. You see, some of us struggle with feeling accepted by God. Because we look at ourselves through, through the lenses of our own sin, and in response to our depravity, we reject ourselves for God rather than dependently running to God. It's like, like let me reject myself on God's behalf. It's like you're standing in line, and people are trying to or getting in, and you, and you see the bouncer checking, and you're like, man, but when he checks me, he's going to see I don't qualify. Let me just... Let me just get out the line from now. So we either attempt to completely avoid God or or avoid engaging the community of God because, because of our past or even present sin. We just try to just be incognito for a while as if God still don't see you, right? If God still doesn't love you, as if God still isn't there. But, but, but when we start doing this, right? When we start saying, man, I, I don't think he can ever use me. I don't think he... When we start doing this, it, it often reveals a jaded understanding of the character of God. It reveals that we stop seeing him for the good God that he is. You see, he doesn't reject you to show you how bad you are. That's not what he does. Listen, your life already shows how bad you are. Everything else out here is already showing how bad you are, how bad we all are. He doesn't need to do that to get, for you to see it, but you see it yourself. He don't need to do that. No, instead, he gives his grace to show how good he is. Ah, the brokenness of this world already shows us how jacked up we are. But he gives his grace to show, but but ah, he's so good. I get it. And you may sit there and you say, but I don't deserve his grace. And you may sit there just waiting for me to say no, but you do. Don't you, you do. But I won't. I'm gonna say, no, you're right. You really don't deserve it, right. neither do I. Right. That's what makes it grace. Ah. If it wasn't that, if it was so, if, it, if I did deserve it, it would more be like earned wages. Yeah. We all find ourselves inside that position. See, as we talk about this grace, right? We go inside here, and Paul is is encouraging them as he is encouraging us. We talk about this this saving grace that God applies to our lives. We have to also understand the way through which he applies it. If we just talk about the grace without understanding how he applies it, we're going to miss something very important here. Inside this text, he makes it clear. This saving grace that he applies to our life, he only does it through faith. It's only done through faith. You don't get the grace without the faith. If a person is like, man, oh, the grace of God is on my life, but they don't have faith in Jesus Christ, then the only way that that's true is in the context of just common grace. That's the only way that it's true. You see, common grace is like the rain falls in the just and the unjust alike. Common grace is, man, even the people that are doing wickedness get the opportunity to experience the goodness of God despite their wickedness. Yeah. Common grace just gives you this good stuff and you smile and you laugh and you get to experience so many these good things. But Come on. Come on. Come on. common grace doesn't make you a part of the family. People can come over and they can hang out at my home and they can hang out with my family and they experience the common grace while they're inside the house. Man, you get to eat what we eat, you get to do these things, but eventually your buck goes home. Uh huh. Come on. Yeah. One way or another, out of here. So that's, that's common grace. And then you have the sanctifying grace where, 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 where God molds you into the image and likeness of Christ during the course of your life after you have already been made a part of the family. He makes you a part of His family. His sanctifying grace, despite your raggediness and your jacked-upness, continues to shape you and mold you and shape you and mold you into the image and likeness of His Son, but that's 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 after you've been made a part of the family. Yes. But saving grace. Ah. But saving grace makes you a part of the family and it is applied through faith. Ah. Ah. Now that's important to understand here how it's applied. See, Paul is speaking to these, these Gentiles here. If you don't um, know what we say a lot of times, that the church in Ephesus was a predominantly Gentile church. The whole city of Ephesus was a largely pagan city, right? Um, and we saw it when we went through Acts how, how it was. Now, now Paul is speaking to these Gentiles and he is encouraging them in this new relationship that they have with their Jewish brothers and sisters, right? That, that how both Jew and Gentile are being made alive together with Christ and, and, and how he wants, to, he, he wants to protect them from some pitfalls, as they're being brought together in this relationship, he wants them to protect them from some things that he's been dealing with along the way. Let me, let me try to head something off over here. See, if, he was, if he's just talking to a group of predominantly Jewish people, now he can go in and he can just talk about the grace of God, right? And they'll just be like, yeah, yeah we know about the grace of God. Ah, that grace led us through the wilderness and that grace delivered us out of Egypt. We definitely got the grace of God. They wouldn't, they wouldn't say we don't have the grace of God. Even if he talks about grace... Through faith, they can attempt to go in and say, "Well, well, that's no problem. We definitely got faith because look, we were we made all the sacrifices and and we we following these commandments and or uh, at least we're attempting to. We were having these feasts and and we don't eat this and we don't eat that and and and, and then start to even start to think like because we do all these things, we have faith. But then." If they go down this pathway, they get to this point where they say, "But these Gentiles, though, they 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 haven't done all these things. Since they haven't done all these things, they're gonna they're gonna have a hard time attaining this faith that we have." And then Paul says, no, "It's not because you do all these things that you have faith. It's because you have faith, you would do all these things." You see. He's making plain a particular thing that's happening over here. You didn't work your way into this. You didn't get this. He he said this faith is not your own doing. God gives you this grace and he does it through faith. But homie, this faith is not your own doing. You can never attain to this faith. It's a gift of God. Something, God, like, we, we need to understand this. No, no, a of education, I don't care if it's theological training, gets you to attain to this particular faith. Yes. It's the gift of God. It's a supernatural work of God to open your, 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 your hearts up. Yes. I don't care what it is. You got to understand that. You can have you can do massive theology and not have faith. Wow. I know people like that. I don't care how much good works you did, but I do this and I work. I work with this organization. I did these things, but you could do all of that and not have faith. I have all these practices, and I do. It. You could do all of that and not have faith. Yeah. Faith is a gift of God, not a result of works. Yeah. It's impossible without God. In the story of the young, rich ruler in Matthew 19, verses 16 to 21, Jesus is talking to the rich, young ruler. and He's like, the rich, young ruler is asking him, what does it take for me to get eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, um, man, follow follow these commandments, like don't kill, don't do this, don't do that. Um, he's talking to them. First he asks him, like, why are you even asking me this? But hey. And 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 he starts going in and telling him, and Jesus knows where this conversation is going, and he starts telling him, do this, do this, do this, and the guy is like, oh, yeah, it's good. I do all those things already, and Jesus is like, cool, bad. Well, all right. Well, since you're so perfect, right? Go ahead and just sell all your stuff, and, and let's roll then. And that's when the guy slows down. That's when. His, his 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 smile turns into a frown, right? Because he had a lot of stuff, and he didn't want to let go of his stuff, and he goes away sad. Now, now his disciples were there with him when he does it, and the disciples are like, "Whoa, this that's 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 crazy." And the disciples are like, "Man, this guy just said he did all these things, but he walked away, not getting it." And so the disciples are. are, are they're baffled, and they ask him like what when? When? then who can get in then if that's not if that's the case if if you can't check off this checklist and get in then who can get in then? and Jesus is with man it's impossible it's impossible but with God, all things are possible. this is a thing that he sets up, puts you in this impossible situation, but with God, all things are Possible, including the grace of salvation. Hmm. You see, the same way, and he's talking to them, and he's he's if he's gonna communicate to the Jews, and he's gonna communicate with the Gentiles, and he's gonna bring them into this relationship. Things that we need to understand, and yeah, he said the same way you didn't get it by doing these things, it's the same way I can give it without them doing these things. Ah, Come on, come on, same way. You don't deserve to be in his family, and there's nothing you can do to get inside of his family. You got to understand that. You don't go get this faith. You're given this faith. You're put in a position of receiver, and you don't have another option. God applies the grace you can never earn. By giving you the faith, you could never attain. Here's the deal. He leaves us in a position that's completely dependent upon Him. Completely dependent upon Him because because when the fall happened, we saw independence from Him. independence from Him wrecked the the creation or harmony of the world. Now the only way back in is, is back into complete dependence upon him. Yes. Let me render you inside there's, there's no way. No way. No way. We are completely dependent upon him moving forward. That's right. That's right. This is what we have to remember about ourselves. And this is what we have to remember when we're thinking about unsaved family members and unsaved co-workers and unsaved loved ones and friends who who you'd love to see the, the the work of the Lord in, you love to see them saved, you gotta remember, you gotta know God needs to do a work inside of their heart and give them the gift of faith. And I get it. Cause man, you can start thinking, man, but if they only heard that one song. If they heard that one song, they would see how much it speaks to their situation, and they would fall in love with God. Uh-huh. Or if they only heard that, 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 that one sermon from that one preacher, or if they just read that one book, it's going it's to get them. Uh-huh. I, used to, I used to think just like that, man. I'd be like, man, yo, I'll give you a ride home. <laughs> Knowing that once they got us out of my car, I'm going to put some, some cross movement in. Um, I'm going to put some Lecrae. I'm going to be riding like... Waiting for them to be like, oh, wow, they're rapping about Jesus. <laughs> I was there. Oh, you, you live 45 minutes away? I got you, bro. I'll drive you. I'm like, if they don't get the first song, we got the whole album. They're going to get to one of them. One of them is going to get them. I'm on it. Man. Imagine my disappointment. <laughs> like bro, you were you going to say something before you got the car? <laughs> next song, next ride. I got you. <laughs> nothing goes the way that you thought it would go. They heard the sermon, they heard the song, they read the book, they read they they read the verse and nothing changed. Nothing changed. I, I man, I'm I'm I remember just when I first got saved and it was for years I went to church just, just, just not even realizing that I wasn't saved. Let me just say that, right? Not even realizing I was, I was just sort of going through the motions, but everybody was going through the motions. And so where I was that I seen, so it was norm to me. And I remember one time. You know, someone just they, they like they referred to this book to me. It was um called um "Don't Waste Your Life" by John Piper, right? So so I, I took the book and then, and and I, I started reading the book. And I'm like, man, this book is boring. <laughs> I'm like, I'm serious. I didn't want to read through the rest of the book and stuff. You know, and then inside the back of the book, there was a DVD, right? So I'm like, well, let me pop the DVD in and see what's going on and stuff. So I pop the DVD in and stuff, and I had never heard of the dude before. And so the DVD comes on until so this, this old scraggly white dude comes up. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I start listening. I start listening. Well, it's got to be better than reading it then, right? And stuff. So I start listening. And while I'm listening, though. Man, God started to move. I'm listening, and, and, the, and the word of God is hitting me in a way that has never hit me before. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. What's happening? What's going on here? I thought, and then I, and I turn, and I look at my wife, and she's crying. And I'm like, what the world? Like, there's no organ that's being played. No one said to run around. Nothing. But she's crying. I'm like, well, this got to be real. Next thing you know, we're both crying. Then we're like, got it. We made a plan. We decided to have a dinner. We're going to invite everybody to come over. And once they get over, we're going to sneak it on them. <laughs> I'm saying, we did it. People came over. They came over. We we're like, baby, ready? All right. <laughs> and the video is playing. I'm, like, I'm just waiting for the moment. the it turns going to start rolling. It's going to hit them the same way it hits me. And people's like, well, what's this? Ain't a, they, ain't a game on or something? And I'm like, what's happening here? And the thing is, I needed to understand is that it was, it's like God needed to give the gift of faith for his word to hit them in such a way that they would wake up. So I'm, saying, I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm like, go ahead, do them, right? Go ahead, play the video and tell them to read the verse. Go ahead, do it. But know that you need to be doing this, praying that God will give the gift of faith. That's why I I said faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. I'm not just playing it and just saying do another thing. I'm trusting in the work of the spirit of God to give faith. So I'm on my knees. Lord God, I pray that you give my brother or my sister the gift. I pray that you will live inside of them. I pray that you will open their eyes. They will see the beautiful things, Lord. Because yeah. they won't get it if it's based off of their works. If it's based off of the things that they've done, they won't get it. Why does God set it up this way? Why? Why does he set it up this way? This text right here, said, so no man would boast. Yeah. No one is going to be able to turn around like, Matt, I listened to it and I did it. I, I, I read it while you ain't reading it. I did this and I did that. No one would, turn, would be able to boast. All of us is in the same boat where it's like, if it wasn't for God to make a dead man alive, I'd still be dead right now. That's the only reason those things made difference to me. He made me alive. And he can make you alive too. So, so, no man could boast. And then I love this piece of text right here because he gives further detail by saying, "Because we are his workmanship." Wow. Yes. Yes. He says, "Because we are his work, we are his workmanship." Wow. Let me let me put the emphasis where I need to. Because we are his workmanship. Psalms 100, verse 3 in the King James Version says, It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You see, Paul explains the realities of this grace that is applied to us through a faith that is given to us. He explains it. To highlight the reality that we are God's workmanship. Now, there's something about that. A lot of times people just stop at by grace through faith. And they just stop right there. I mean, they just camp out there by grace through faith. Without showing what is the point that he's leading to with this. You're like, we could easily stop there and just worship self. Even though God gave it to you, even though you didn't have it, you can turn around and say, but I have it now, and completely forget the God that gave it to you, but a part of something. See, this term workmanship here, it's like, it's like a piece of artwork. It's like a piece of artwork, like a sculpture, like a, a painting or a poem. When he says workmanship, it's like looking at a piece of artwork that somebody did and said, that's, that's, that's her handiwork. She created that piece of art right there. That his handiwork, that his workmanship, whatever that sculpture is, whatever that thing that was put together, that was hammered together, that was sanded, that was that was painted, but it's a piece of art and that's his handiwork. Now, this would make sense to the Ephesians in a specific way. Like when we was going through Acts, that's where you saw when Paul first went on his missionary journey to Ephesus, right? And when he goes on that missionary journey to Ephesus, the whole entire economy was based off of them creating these pieces of art, these sculptures, these figurines that was to worship their idols. That's what the whole economy was flowing off of. These things that they was creating, these pieces of work that they was creating to worship their idols. And basically, Paul is saying here, we are God's artwork that he created to bring glory to him. Well, before you were spending your time making pieces of artwork to try to bring glory to idolatry, listen, you yourself is God's artwork meant to bring glory to him. Now, now in that reality... God is the artist. We are the artwork. Faith and grace are things that God applies to the artwork to beautify it, bringing glory to Him. It's part of what He's doing, part of the masterpiece that He's forming and He's making, and it's to give Him glory. The application of grace through faith in our lives is a poetically rhythmic work of God. The great artist of creation saying, look how glorious I am. It doesn't stop on us. It doesn't stop on me, but it's a part of something else. It's a part of the great artist that's creating and forming. And in his creating and forming, he gives you grace through faith for what he wants to do. He's the one that's doing the work. And God is using time to progressively reveal the beauty of the work that he's already done. Mm. You look at verse 10, and it says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love it when we take the time to read text connected to the context that it has to be with. You see, this isn't the first time that we've heard a term like beforehand in Ephesians, right? When we're in Ephesians um, chapter 1 and verse 1 and 4, it says before the foundations of the world. He keeps pointing to this narrative that, that, that started way back. This narrative that started way back, even as he here he's talking about this grace through faith is a part of a work that a God is doing. He keeps talking about beforehand or way back when, before the foundations of this world. He keeps connecting us to a story. He keeps connecting us to a grand narrative that we find ourselves a part of. And like, something bigger is going on here. And it's been going on, but way before you even existed. And all of this stuff that's happening now is connected to it. This isn't the first time in the Bible that we've heard of work being referred to as good in the Bible. This isn't the first time that we find work being referred to as good. When we go way back to the creation story, all the way back in Genesis, you find a, a good God doing good work. When we, when we flip back over there you find a, a, a God doing good work, he's working, he's creating light and he's saying it's good. He's working and he's creating earth, He's forming his foundations, the foundation of the earth he says before b- beforehand and before the foundation of the world. you flip back and you see him forming the foundations of the world he says it's good. You find him working and creating man, and he says, it's good. Then in Genesis 2 and 15, he takes that man, and he puts him in a garden to cultivate it and to keep it. He calls man alongside him to participate with him in his plan of good works, right? This thing is going on back then. God is creating and he's forming, he's creating and he's forming and he's doing these good works, this good work in, in creation and he has these plans that he's walking out, a plan that was set in motion before the beginning of time and in his creating, he creates man. And he said, man, come with me, participate with me in my good works and he places them inside the art and he says, till the soil, it's part of the good work. Then in the fall... Man is separated from God and separated from his plan of good works. Now work is tainted. Thorns and thistles. Now even our good efforts apart for him or are, are tainted at best. Creation God creates and he, he makes all things good. And then in the fall... Then in the fall, man decides he knows better. Man decides he wants to define what's good and what's bad. Then in redemption, God comes and he redeems what's good. And he says, no, this is good. I created it. Let me point you back to this whole storyline of good. We find ourselves here where we We call what's good evil. And we call what's evil good. So you get here and you look at this text and you see God reuniting us to this entire storyline of goodness. The band could come up now. Here's the thing that's important to catch here. He points out that he says, you are his workmanship, and he's the one that's been doing the work. Now, there is something important to receive here as he's connecting us to who's doing the work. There's something freeing that you could have here. I remember we used to have this guy that came to do our, our, our landscape, and he, was, he did a good job, and then he, ended him, he injured himself. And so he wasn't there no more to do the work. And then um, one time I just found a letter on my door. i like, yo, I'll, I'll, I'll do your lawn. It's, it's raggedy, right? So I'm like, all right. I don't know who this dude is, but like, probably he needs some dough. Let me, let me call him over to do the work, right? And stuff. And so he comes, he does the work, and he sort of like stumbles out of the car. I'm like, I think, well, this dude looks drunk. I'm like, I don't know. Probably I'm just tripping. And, you know, I figured, you know what? I got to go. I got some work to do. And I pay him. And I leave, and I come back, and it's like the, the yard looked worse than before. I'm like, I don't know what he was doing. Like, he took stuff, and he tossed it all over the place. I'm like, I'm like what happened here? And he's like, when you want me to come back? And I'm like, well, I, that's not happening because I don't trust the work that you're doing. See, the freeing thing here, when he points to who's doing the work inside of this text, and he said, it's not you, because you shouldn't be trusting inside of your own work. Your work will fail. But he points to the one that's doing the work, the one that you find your dependence upon, and that's a good God who is perfect in all that he does, and in that you should find rest. You're the one that's doing the work, Lord. And I just lean into what you are doing. Not me. I don't got to get them saved. I don't got to do all the work to get saved. But I respond and I do all the work because I am saved. I do all the work to say, Lord, you are good. I do all the work because I've been connected back into your good plan of works. And I want people to see how good you are. We can trust the worker. As we get ready to pray, I want us to remember this. In Christ we are reunited with God, reunited with his plan of good works, the very same works that created the heavens and the earth and were meant to sustain them in him. In Christ we are called again to participate and display his good works in every aspect of life by grace. Through faith, this morning as we get ready to pray, that we get ready to take communion, man, what I want you to, to contemplate is what this represents. It says, I'm with you, Lord. It says, Lord, I thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for giving me this faith inside of you, Lord, a faith that's Leads into good works, good works that you planned from the beginning of time. And I'm connected back into your narrative of good works in every single aspect of life. How I love my wife is a part of your narrative of good work that you planned. How I, how I raise my kids. How I work at my job. Now it's all connected back to your good works. How I sacrifice for others. How I give. How, how I give of myself and, and plant myself to live on life missionally. Part of your good works. And I'm joyfully connected back, in, back into it. I want to encourage you as you come up this morning to spend some time praying. Or probably for some reason this morning you find yourself disconnected from this narrative of good works and you want to you want back in. You want to be a part of this family. You want prayer. I'll meet you over here and we we can pray. That being said, the juice represents his body, his his blood that flows for you. And the bread represents his body that was given for you. As you come up, I encourage you, linger in prayer, and then let's continue to worship. The tables are open. Let's worship our great God. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.